Chapter Two of Souls for Sale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Souls for Sale by Rupert Hughes. Chapter Two. Elwood had expected that the bad news would shock her, but he could not understand the look of ghastly terror she gave him. He forgot it in his own bitter brooding and did not observe the deathly white that blanched her pallor. Yet he had noted that she was paler of late and had added that worry to his back-breaking load of worries. The sunset crimson was gone from her cheeks and her cheeks were thinner than he had ever seen them before. She coughed incessantly, too, and kept putting her hand to her chest as if it hurt her there. Her cough annoyed her father as he preached and made him forget some of his best points, but his sermon annoyed her, too. He was putting himself on record with fatal hatred of sin, and she wished he wouldn't. A smile twitched her lips and dwelt there at the mockery life was heaping upon his oratory. He was denouncing moving pictures as the source of all evil. Yet his daughter had never seen one. Yet again, that had not saved her from... A white-hot wave drove the wan calm from her cheek, and a scarlet war ensued in her veins. She was the daughter of Eve and of Adam, and of all the Eves and Adams since sin began, but to hear her father talk, it might have been a moving picture machine instead of the serpent that tempted Eve to knowledge and started the eternal parade of wickedness. To hear her father talk, this little town of Calverly, had been a pre-Satanic Eden before the Los Angelesian movies crawled in. Yet even this young woman could remember that he had preached almost this same sermon against a long series of other amusements. He had never found the town anything but a morass of wickedness. She felt a mad impulse to rise and cry down at him across the brass rail. Papa, don't, for heaven's sake, stop. For the sheer sake of true truth, she was tempted to protest against the folly of such a crusade. It was bad enough in a newspaper. It seemed peculiarly heinous that such bad logic and such reckless falsehood should be shouted from a pulpit. But, of course, she made no sound, except to cough. The climax of her father's appeal was a jeremiad against the desecration of the Sabbath. The town's two little picture-houses had proved so much more popular than anything ever known before that they had ventured to slip in performances on Sunday nights without interference from the indolent police. The theater managers had claimed that, according to their creed, the true Sabbath did not fall on Sunday night, but on Saturday. Of course, they did not close on Saturday night either, but then they said they could find nothing in Moses against movies. This plea was resented as a heathenish impertinence by the Orthodox. Dr. Steddon called upon his congregation to make a stand against the Continental Sabbath and to save the American home from the danger of the new invasion. To Dr. Steddon, the American home was a glaring failure, except when he used it as a contrast with foreign homes. His daughter was so distraught by the sarcasm of reality that she felt it a sacred duty to rise and proclaim her secret to every gaping listener there. But, of course, she denied herself the relief of expression. When her father completed his discourse with his tremendous thunder against Los Angeles, he sank into his tall chair. The choir rose for the final hymn. After that came the majestic benediction. 
on the way home under the wasted magic of the rising moon remember did not walk as usual between her father and mother with a hand on the arm of each to-night she kept at her mother's left elbow and clung so tight to the fat warm arm that her mother whispered what's the matter honey nothing mamma she faltered i'm just a little tired i guess her father felt a bit lonely insulated from his child by his wife and he had the orator's afterthirst for a draught of praise he mumbled how was the sermon mem they called her mem for short you haven't told me how you liked the sermon oh it was fine she said perfectly fine it ought to do a lot of good too she added to herself but it won't then she felt a coughing so hard that her father and mother had to stop by a tree and wait for her to be able to go on the big old maple sheltered them like a vast umbrella a moment then their eyes were blinded by a great fierce light an automobile came straight toward them and ran up over the curbstone before it was brought to a stop by a driver who gasped oh dear what's the matter with this darn thing it was molly sipe daughter of the bank president learning to run her father's car since he had to discharge the chauffeur she had chosen sunday night for practice in order to escape what little traffic troubled calverly streets seeing that the steddon family had taken refuge behind the bowl of the tree she hailed them with her usual impudence of self-raillery don't be afraid i'm trying to learn to back this fool car it's almost as big a fool as i am then she set the clutch in reverse and stepped on the accelerator with such vigor that the car shot backward like a premature rocket and nearly destroyed the twin baby carriage in which young mrs clint sparrow had taken her dual blessing to visit their grandmother but mem was coughing too violently to be thrilled by the unusual drama and her father was too deeply concerned in her distress to protest even against molly sipe's profanation of the holy evening besides she went to the episcopalian church and was doomed anyway dr steddon and his wife stared toward each other earnestly through the gloom and their hearts exchanged counsels without words or looks the rest of the way home dr steddon was not a preacher anxious about his daughter's soul but a father afraid for her life her health of body was outside the parish of a doctor of divinity that was the business of a doctor of reality to-morrow ma'am he said I want you to go see Dr. Bretherick the very first thing. Mem shook her head and looked frightened. She was afraid of doctors just now. Their information was a cult. But her father insisted. If you don't promise, I'll go fetch him over myself tonight. This seemed to alarm Mem, and she gasped. I promise, I promise, I don't want you to go out again. Good night, Mama. Good night, Papa. That was a fine sermon tonight she did not linger for her usual tryst with elwood but hurried to her room pausing on the stairs for a long bout with her cough her parents waited in an anguish of anxiety for her to finish it then they put out the lights and went up to bed throughout the night they heard her coughing a pitiful little noise like the barking of a sick coyote they were on a rack of fear but their fear was not hers the cough to them was an ominous problem to her it might promise a solution. End of chapter two. Recording by Deanna Beauvais.